10 Minute Talks, a podcast in which the world's leading professors explain the latest thinking in the humanities and social sciences in just 10 minutes. Hello, I'm Judith Yesh. I'm Professor of Viking Studies at the University of Nottingham, and I'm a Fellow of the British Academy, the UK's voice for humanities and the social sciences. I want to tell you about Queen Astrid of Norway. She was the wife and widow of Scandinavia's first royal saint, Saint Olaf, and she interests me because early in the 11th century she was the recipient of an extraordinary poem praising her activism and political skills in a genre that was otherwise reserved for male recipients, a genre that we call skaldic poetry. Skaldic poetry interests me as a potential contemporary source for the Viking Age, even though the poems were only written down two or three hundred years later when the Icelandic saga authors incorporated them in their texts. But the complex metrical system and the complex diction of these poems suggest an oral genre that was designed to be remembered accurately uh, in an oral tradition, and therefore I think do reflect Viking Age events and attitudes. And also the poems can be attached uh, to known historical figures and therefore associated with particular historical moments. Now in this genre, women are mainly uh, notable by their absence. The poems are often conventional praise of rulers, um, telling us of their journeys, their battles on land and sea, their political struggles, and their generosity to the poet. The poets themselves were eyewitnesses to these events, and the poems were declaimed in front of the king and his court. So the one exception uh, in this overwhelmingly masculine genre is a poem that has fascinated me for 30 years. Uh, the poem on Queen Astrid by the Icelandic poet Sigvater Thordarson. Astrid was the illegitimate daughter of a Swedish king. Her father also had a legitimate daughter who was destined to marry King Olaf of Norway. However, the Swedish and Norwegian kings didn't get on very well, um, and the legitimate daughter, Ingigerd, was sent off to marry the king uh, of Russia, King Yaroslav, instead, which meant that poor old Olaf had to make do with the illegitimate princess Astrid. Olaf and Astrid had only one child, a daughter, but as is the way of kings, King Olaf had an illegitimate son called Magnus. This very Scandinavian name was uh, given to him first uh, by his godfather, the poet Sigvater, in honour of Charlemagne, uh, who was known as Carolus Magnus in Latin. And Sigvater is the poet who composed about Astrid. Now Magnus grew up in exile because of uh, the turbulent times uh, in Norway at during his childhood, and this turbulence led to the death of his father Olaf in the Battle of Stiklestad in 1030, uh, in which he was killed by his internal enemies. Olaf's death was recognised as a martyrdom, and he very soon became Scandinavia's first royal saint. 
Some years later, in 1035, uh, supporters of Olaf managed to bring Magnus back from exile and intended to place him on the throne to restore uh, the dynasty. And this is where Astrid comes in. She too had been in exile in her home country of Sweden. Um, she clearly saw some advantage to herself in her stepson becoming king of Norway. And perhaps I, th I like to think she identified with him as they were both the illegitimate offspring of Scandinavian kings. The story is told in Heimskringla, a history of the kings of Norway, written, written sometime in the middle of the 13th century by the Icelandic author Snorri Sturluson. And Snorri recounts that Astrid called an assembly in Sweden at which she mobilized a large Swedish army which was then able to aid Magnus in ascending to his father's throne and becoming the youngest ever king of Norway. And he needed this help because he was only about 10 years old at this time, so he wasn't able to fight his way to the top as most of his predecessors had done. So this is where Sigvater's poem of praise uh, for Queen Astrid comes in. Sigvater was an Icelander who'd established himself as a close friend and favourite poet of uh, the King of Norway, King Olaf. He composed a number of poems in praise of Olaf, uh, both during his career and posthumously. And I have a particular affinity with uh, Sigvater because I edited uh, a large number of his poems for uh, the Skaldic project. This is an ongoing project to produce a complete corpus of all Skaldic poetry. And Sigvater is one of my favourite poets, um, partly because of the clarity of his diction um, in what is otherwise uh, a genre that can be obfuscatory. Sigvater was also, as I've said, the godfather of Magnus, so he clearly took an interest in his welfare and career. In the poem on Queen Astrid, uh, Sigvater expresses his joy that Magnus has become king of Norway, but he also heaps some rather extraordinary praise on the queen. And she's not praised for any queenly qualities. She's, the praise is couched in the language that's normally used of male rulers. First of all, Sigvater notes that his poem is intended to repay the queen for the many bright treasures he, uh, she has given him. Rulers were expected to be generous, and poets often mentioned this generosity uh, in their praise by way of hinting, perhaps, that they expected further generosity. Sigvater then goes on to dis describe how Astrid uh, proclaimed the cause of Magnus before a massive army of Swedes at an, this assembly or thing. Now these things were generally masculine affairs. Men met at these assemblies to make laws, to prosecute cases, to generally politicize. And women did attend, but uh, it was not normal for women to participate in these activities, or indeed, uh, certainly not to speak at the assembly. So this is the unusual aspect of Astrid's actions for which uh, Sigvater is praising her. He stresses the fact that she spoke. He calls it a bold deed. 
he mentions her decisiveness twice. And there's even a strong hint in the poem that she was acting in the way that normally only a man could be expected to act. The result of this was that she was the main reason, according to the poet, that Magnus was able to take up the throne and acquire his broad realm. As well as stressing her political skills, uh, the poet adds a touch of saintliness to her actions. The 11th century rulers of Scandinavia were relatively new Christians who needed uh, the support of the expanding Christian church to legitimize and justify their right to rule. And Sigvater does this by saying that Astrid's actions were carried out together with the mighty Christ. The poem was no doubt composed out of Sigvater's affection and admiration for the Queen. He was a poetic innovator, so it's no surprise to me that he was the first poet to think of using this genre of praise of rulers for, uh, to praise a queen rather than a male ruler. But Sigvater was also a counsellor to the young king, and we can imagine that the poem declaimed at court in front of both the queen and the young king uh, was intended to educate Magnus. Magnus needed to be reminded that he owed his position to his stepmother. As Sigvater says, generous Magnus has Astrid to repay for her bold deed. She, a deeply decisive woman, has helped her stepson in such a way as few others would. And then he ends the poem with, I make true words to the lady's glory. And it's these true words of the Icelandic poet that ensure that we still know today about this remarkable Queen of Norway. Thanks for listening to this British Academy podcast. Please subscribe, share and rate this series from wherever you get your podcasts. For more events and conversations, please visit www.thebritishacademy.ac.uk or find and follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.